You are listening to Democracy in Action with the IEC on CCFM 107.5. On CCFM 107.5. And you're tuned to Radio CCFM 107.5 and 96.7. My name is Wayne Turner. I'm in the hot seat this evening. Brand new show. You usually have me on a Monday night. But we've got a slot now on a Tuesday night, and it's a very interesting program. We are opening up first show of uh, this series, and it's called Democracy in Action. And our guests every week will be representatives from the IEC, just giving us uh, background information so we can allow you as listeners to make informed choices, knowing what you must do, where you must do it, why you must do it. So we're going to be answering a lot of those questions. And on the line this evening, I have Mr. Michael Hendricks, a Provincial Electoral Officer. Good evening, sir. Uh, Good evening, Wayne, and good evening to your listeners. How are you doing this evening? Well, fine, thank you very much. Uh, It's been a bit of a hectic day. Um, You know, it's been... Uh, um, you know, when you come back after a long weekend, there's a lot of things you need to catch up with. And uh, but it's good. Absolutely, uh, we, and we are making that day even longer with the interview. Oh no, but I, I, it's a pleasure, really. I, I enjoy engaging with, with uh, um, through you with with the listeners who are our voters out there. Right, and right. If there's any information that I can share, um, so be it. Right. Before we get into that, uh, Michael Hendrickson. Who are you? What's your background? Are you a Cape Townian? Do you come from somewhere else? I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the official stuff. Okay, Doki. Uh, okay, so um, I'm, I'm not originally from Cape Town. I'm born and bred in Utenag in the Eastern Cape. Right. Um, grew up there, went to varsity. Um, I, I studied law um, with my speciality being a master's in uh, constitutional practice and human rights. Um, right. I've been admitted as an attorney um, and then served in various uh, capacities, uh, both um, at national level as well as at uh, our province. That was my last, my last job before joining the IEC now in February right. was at the um, Department of the Premier in the Western Cape Government. Right, right. Do you have a family? Uh, yep. Uh, married and, and, and two kids. Uh, son is at university um, and the daughter is doing matric this year. Right. Is he following in his dad's footsteps? Nope. No, no, no lawyers there. No lawyers there. No, no. Uh, um, he seems to be doing what most young people are. Uh, he's, uh, he's into computer science. Oh, right. That's where the money is. App development, all the rest of it. The rest of the careers are just taking a back seat. Yeah. 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 And then my daughter's, my daughter's into uh, visual arts and, and animation. So that's, she's the creative part uh, of the family. And uh, definitely also not from my side of the family. I think it's more my wife. So, uh, so no one to follow in Dad's footsteps. Unfortunately, not. right. So, I mean, you, as uh, someone involved in the IEC, you need to have a legal background because I'm just looking at some of the the notes here. Uh, it's important because you've got to have a good understanding of what the law says about it because it's all about the law, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, it's definitely a recommendation to to have a, have a legal background. We do. I ever have a lot of uh, colleagues that's working in the province as well as national level who don't necessarily have. So we 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 sort of a mixed bag uh, when it comes to because, for example, you also need a good understanding of of mm. logistics management. You know, yeah. getting all those ballot papers down to down to the voting stations. You need obviously also uh, very good uh, people skills. Because by its very nature, we, we're dealing with people, and, yes. and we also deal with, um, with, you know, elections is really about a competition. Um, and at the end of the day, we need to make sure that everybody plays by those rules. Right. You mentioned that you, prior to this, you worked in the Premier's office, or uh, yeah. is, is that correct? Is it Mr. Alan Windy? Uh, that's correct, yeah, in the, in the department of the Premier, not yes. directly in, in, in the Premier's office. Right, right. In the but department... Um, yeah, I was in the corporate services center of the, of the provincial government. Um, right. That is based in the department, yeah. Right. So, um, did you, how can I put it, develop an interest in the whole thing of uh, the electoral side of things in South Africa? Is it something that you uh, saw and thought, well, this is going to be great, or is it an interest you've had for years? You know, no, it's, it's always been a passion for me. Uh, um, uh, you know, within our own family, we've always been involved with politics mm. uh, um, since I can remember. 
um, uh, through my dad, my brother, my mom, etc. So we've always been very politically active mm. as a family. And then with 94 coming along and, and elections, um, you know, and, and the opportunity uh, for everyone to cast the mm. ballot uh, and to vote for a democratic. And I think that has continued with my sort of uh, um, journey, uh, um, you know, moving with, with law as a background uh, mm-hmm. and to get into elections management. Uh, I had a first stint uh, um, as um, with elections from 98 in this province, uh, and then I went to the national office in, in 2001 till 2010 as a senior management res- uh, manager responsible for electoral processes, uh, legal services, outreach and stuff. So I've been there, then I left and I came down to Cape Town, um, and I joined the Department of the Premier, and now I'm back. So I've been sort of what we call broken service. Uh, uh, when it comes to uh, um, elections management, but it is a passion of mine, and I'm really, <clears throat> I'm glad for the opportunity to to work again at the IEC. Right now, in South Africa, we as a country have a very very young electoral system. Uh, when you look at it from uh, 1994, because pre 1994, that's the era I grew up in under apartheid. It was a segregated system, and uh, it was weighted in a certain direction now with 94 happening and free and fair democratic elections the actual processes of uh, free and fair elections is pretty new i mean you take the states or you take britain or germany they've had uh, electoral systems going the way they are now for a long time so how do you how has it been uh, as a transition into a proper democracy have you have you guys had to make adjustments and develop things that were never developed pre-1994? No, no, for sure, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> the, the biggest challenge for us uh, uh, since 94, and you must remember, in 94 were the first elections. You had an electoral commission, but it was a temporary body that was only set up for that particular election. The oh, okay. IEC only became a permanent body in 1998 when, when the, the law on electoral commission was actually passed. So we've actually only become a permanent organization following the adoption of the Constitution uh, that created the, the, uh, an electoral commission um, as, as a Chapter 9. So in 1998, I mean, the, the biggest task we had was to create one voter's role. Uh, um, as, as Judge Albie Sachs said, you know, the voter's role is a badge of, 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 of who that you count, that you are one. Yes. And, and um, for the first time, we needed to create a, a, a one voter's role for all the people of South Africa on, you know, that will serve as a basis for us to, to, to vote. Because if you're not on the voters' role, you cannot participate. So that, is, that was the biggest challenge that we had. And, and right off the bat, we, we said, okay, we're going to adopt technology to assist us. Mm. Um, for example, with the registration of those voters, you'll recall that if you go there or all your listeners, we had this uh, zip-zip machine, you know, mm. for the scanner. Yes. Um, that just made the whole process of, of, of uh, capturing your information so much easier, transmitting it so that we can have a, a voter's role that, that remains up to date. Um, Which so is vital, is isn't it? That's one of the things that we need to do. It's vital mm-hmm. to have an up-to-date voters' role. I think that's the challenge of every country. No, for sure. I think, look, if, if you've got to have fraud, fraud will start with your voters' role. Mm. Um, so you need to have that uh, as a basis for, for, for your free and fair elections, is to have an up-to-date voters' role um, that reflects the South Africans who have applied to and are registered to vote, as well as those who are no longer uh, um, uh, should be on the voters' mm. role, like persons who have been deceased or have emigrated, right. um, to ensure that you don't have ghost voters. Uh, you, you you mentioned something that at the first free and fair democratic elections that the IEC or the commission was a temporary thing. Prior to that, under the, the, pre, the apartheid government, wasn't there anything like an electoral commission? No, no, none, none whatsoever. Uh, prior to that, you had your limited uh, democracy where not everybody was allowed to vote. So it was basically run by a government department uh, um, that sort of managed it. Uh, given the history of our country, and I think that is why also you'll find it in our founding values of our constitution, that, for example, you have regular elections, um, that you have a, 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 in, in Section 19 of our Bill of Rights, the, your political rights, in other words, the right to vote and be voted for. And I think that is critical. Uh, and, and based on that, you need to then make sure that you give effect. So uh, what the constitutional founding fathers did is they created Chapter 9 institutions. 
Uh, Mansen is the IEC, you have your Human Rights Commission, your Gender Commission, the Auditor General. All of these institutions are there to entrench and, and protect our democracy. Mm. Um, so that is where our, our role fits into the bigger scheme, if you understand, right. as, as, as one of those constitutional uh, uh, bodies that are there to ensure that we have uh, um, uphold our, our constitutional values, our rule of law, uh, um, and, and the, the rights that are in, in our Bill of Rights. So previous governments, so those of us who lived under the old dispensation and uh, didn't vote for the government in power, the if any anything you could call a commission, a government department, was totally weighted towards the ruling party. Yeah, you, see, you just didn't have any oversight, for example. So you, you would have a situation that given in, in, in the situation that we were as, uh, under apartheid, mm. you didn't have the, the necessary uh, uh, guarantees that, in fact, you'll have an impartial and, and fair electoral process. You just didn't know that. You, you actually relied, in, I suppose, on, in those instances on individual uh, 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 um, you know, polling officers, people mm. that were voting uh, or working at a voting station, not to be cheating, but you didn't have an overall sense of that. Um, you also didn't have the level of transparency that the IEC brings. I mean, you recall starting with the 94 where you had Judge Krichler, they were on TV all the time telling people this is what's happening, this is what's happening. The level of transparency that the IEC brought also to the whole process uh, uh, for example, even now we have a, a, a national result center where everybody can see what's happening with the tallies. Mm. You know, it's not sort of a tally is done somewhere in the dark somewhere and voila, we come out like a little <laughs> yeah. magic uh, rabbit and say, oh, there's the result. Uh, political parties, uh, uh, the, the media, everybody is, 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 uh, has access to, to how the results are unfolding all the time, live. Right. So the reason I'm just uh, looking at the past and trying to establish something is to... Uh, illustrate just how important uh, an, an electoral, an independent electoral commission is in any country so that uh, impartial, free, fair elections can, can take place. Because, I mean, we in, in Africa have got the most horrendous record, and I think many people transitioning into a new democracy had big fears that we would go the way of rigged ballots and all sorts of things as, as sort of things that have happened before. So we see this the establishment of the electoral commission as vitally important for any process moving forward in our country. I, I think generally there's been a move towards the establishment of independent electoral bodies across the world. Mm. So I think it, it's, it's not limited to, to our continent in terms of where you have uh, rigged elections. I mean, you mm. can just see what happened in America now, in the last oh, election, word. where there was a lot of controversy. And you must remember, in America, they have a federal commission of elections, but not necessarily that has the powers and of actually running an election. In America, every state has its own sort of uh, chief electoral officer. And in some cases, the chief electoral officer also happens to be the governor of that state or the, or the sort of secretary of that state. So you literally have a, 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 a party official, uh, depending on which uh, party is in power within a state in America, uh, actually running the election, mm. making choices about which machines to buy, what are your votes. So even in, in your more established democracies, for example, you'll have that situation. In England as well, uh, um, England doesn't have an electoral commission that comes up to the standard that you'd find typically in, in the newer democracies. Mm. I'm talking in, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in some of the other commonwealths like Australia, Canada, India. Um, you know, so, so there's a lot of uh, movement to, to ensure that, that overall at the end of the day you have this uh, accountability. Mm. And, and at the end of the day, look, the bottom line is that the people who vote um, are satisfied that the process is free and fair. Yes. I mean, they are the final arbiters of, of whatever the outcome of the election is. And, and I think that is, is also, uh, um, uh, for us, a, a prime... Uh, uh, at the end of the day, look, I can, have, I can tell you, here's a, a list of 10 little boxes I can tick off and say, you see, because of A, B, C, and D, and E, and F, mm. whatever, um, yes, the elections are free and fair. But if the people don't accept it, then it, it means nothing. Uh, and that is yeah. what we strive for as, as the IEC, to work not only with political parties, but also to ensure that our citizens out there believe that the result is, is, a, is a fair reflection of, of the will of, of, of the majority, well, of all the people, right. uh, and not only of the majority. In comparison to other democracies, I'm not saying the younger democracies generally, how sophisticated, advanced, whatever word you'd like to use, is our electoral commission uh, 
in comparison to the rest of the world? Are we pretty advanced in a, in a state of uh, real ability to do the job? I think so. I, I think that, that we, we rank up there. If, if you think of the reviews that we receive, like from the United Nations, many of our officials, for example, are on the United Nations database of, of election experts, for example. Um, when the Commonwealth has elections, they'll call on us to assist in terms of providing with observers, etc., and even with, with technical support. So, yes, we, we, we do provide a high level. Of, I mean, I think we are right up there. Um, I don't want to sort of blow our own sort of what, what, bubble, but uh, um, I, I think we, we, we generally are there. Look, but it doesn't mean that we, we, we sit back. Uh, it's something that we have to accept as an electoral commission. The world is changing. Our communities are changing. I mean, we're living in a COVID world now. So we yes. cannot sit back and say, oh, we've arrived and, and therefore we're fine. I think the challenge remains that we should always be up there in terms of technology, in terms of ensuring that the trust that people have in us is, is not lost. So it's not something that we said. But I think generally we, we're doing not too bad mm. uh, um, overall. Um, many years ago there was a, a sort of a think tank at uh, Trinity College in, in, um, in Cambridge University in England uh, where the heads of electoral commissions of, of India, uh, Canada, uh, Australia, uh, Pakistan, Ghana, ourselves would meet and, and just talk about where we are. And, uh, and you know, we, we sort of compare notes. Of, mm. and, and we learn from one another who's doing better. I mean, you don't get a bigger democracy than India, for example. Yes. In sheer numbers. Um, and if you look at Australia, again, they are so technically advanced in terms of making use of technology. Uh, uh, Canada, again, due to their vastness, and, and, you know, they have like five, six elections in, in five years, man, you know, given the type of government that they have there. Right. So, you know, we, we keep on learning from one another continuously, and I think that's part of the challenge. So we, we, we're relatively fine, I would think, and, and we're always improving. And, I mean, uh, um, that is, for me, I think the, the passion which, which staff members, certainly in this province, brings to, to, to managing of elections. Right. One of my team is passionate about what they do, and they believe in the cause. And that, mm. you know, you can't get better than having a shared, a shared purpose. Right. Now, here's a difficult question. Uh, all of us have our own personal political, political leanings. And mm. Uh, mm. you take me, for example, I've come through, I was an apartheid police officer back in the 70s, 80s. Uh, I disagreed with the system. I got myself into trouble. So I had a certain political pedigree. I've worked, I'm 61 now, all the years, been through the democracy, excited, saw things happen. And, you know, I'm influenced in a particular way, in a particular way to vote. Now, people in authority and working in the Independent Electoral, electoral Commission would be similar to me, maybe having different journeys. How possible... Is it for yourself or uh, electoral officials to remain completely independent and impartial? I mean, put my mind, put my listeners' minds at rest. How possible is that? Look, I, I think you're right. Everybody has their own political opinion, and that is even uh, an entrenched right in, in, a bill of, uh, in a bill of rights. And, every, and, and I mean, <clears throat> that is our reality. We all have, we all have our political views. In fact, we, we all will vote. Um, so you will vote uh, as well. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. It is about the level of professionalism that you have, mm. the fact of how committed you are. So I can, on the same day that I go out and vote for a political party, it, it, it comes back to uh, my integrity and, and, and the systems we put in place to ensure mm. that um, just because you support a political party doesn't mean automatically, therefore, uh, um, you know, you will enjapo the system um, in a way right. that that, uh, um, that impacts on the free and fairness. And I mean, there's enough checks and balances also in place. For example, um, even though I've got the right to go and vote and for a party or a candidate of my choice, I am not allowed to hold any pol party political office uh, um, or to have a high-profile party political, uh, uh, you know, thing out there. Yes. So, so, you know, we, we, we move away from that. So while you can have, your, so our rights, our political rights as IEC officials is limited in the sense that, look, you can have your views, mm. but one, you don't bring it to the work, and two, you, you cannot hold a, a party political office. Um, if you do, you are literally just not allowed 
to, to, to be a, a, uh, an official. And, mm. and that goes also to, to all the people that we use at our, at our even our voting stations. Uh, we, we go through a process of vetting where we try as, as much as possible to ensure that we don't take people with a high uh, 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 you know, party political profile because it just, in the end, it's not worth it. It's yes. really not worth it. And, and I mean, it, it's fundamentally wrong yes. for us as an organization. It's so, just not who we are. So, so it's something that we, we take very seriously as well. Right. So, so what you're telling me is that, Thumbsuck, you vote for the Blue Dolphin Party of the Western Cape. And uh, that's your party. You go and you cast your ballot and you vote for them. But then in the same breath, you as a, as a voting member for that party might have to take that party to task for doing something that was wrong, your own party, that's how independent you guys need to be. That is exactly right. You, you know, you need to do that because it would be, it would almost be like a false uh, narrative if I have to sit there and tell your listeners, you and your listeners, and say, no, 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 we don't have any, we don't have any views. We don't have any, I mean, that's, that would be, yeah, and then that's to, to, to assume that, you know, okay, let's lie about it, because that is what we will do. So rather what we do is we say, look, here, you can have your views, but you don't bring it to the office. Yes. And, and you have to be professional in your work. And I think that goes to you, for example, as well, if, if you, as a journalist, yes. you are interviewing uh, somebody, uh, you know, somebody from a political party. You don't go soft on that one simply because it's a party that you support in your, in your, in your private life. That would be example. bad journalism. And people would exactly. smell a rat. Exactly. So, so, and and you'd lose, and you'd lose uh, listeners. Um, mm. So, same with us. I mean, if we allow something like that to happen, one, it will go against what uh, we do as professional election managers. But secondly, also, people out there will lose uh, um, trust in us. So, again, it, it's really counterintuitive to to to, to sort of uh, do that. And and that's a con- look. It's a continuous. Uh, um, uh, um, Process that we are always involved in. Um, yes. I'm not going to tell you that people that all apply to work at the IC is, is sort of automatically virtuous or, or whatever. So we need to, we have to have our process in place to to to, vet, yeah. to verify as well. It is how it is. I mean, it's the world we live in. So we need to, as, as best as possible, uh, ensure that the staff that then work for us are actually then uh, um, uh, independent. Right. That, that, and, and we perform our work. Uh, um, to ensure free and fair elections. You mentioned earlier the, the phrase checks and balances. Now, uh, a listener might be sitting on their couch now listening to this interview and they hear checks and balances. What does that actually mean? What, what is in play? I mean, I'm t- not talking go detail, but what does it generally mean to have checks and balances in regard to the IEC? Okay, so, so you'll have it at different levels, uh, mm. uh, Wayne. Uh, for example, at the voting station, uh, um, we allow observers. These are accredited independent organizations. They can be community organizations, church organizations, to be observers. And they, are, they can be present and observe. They cannot get involved in it, but they can actually observe. You also have then your agents and your candidates, mm. party agents, are present, and they can also see what is happening there. So that's a, different, have, sorry, that's a different political parties you see with their gazebos, a- ACDP, DA, yeah, ANC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, the, no, 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 they are outside. I'm talking about inside in the voting station per se. Oh, I uh, see. You have agents standing around who can observe. They cannot, they, they cannot stand, for example, there where you are voting, you know, making your cross. Yes. But they'll stand sort of where you're receiving your ballot paper so that one of our officials, as he's handing over the mission, is not like saying, oh, vote party X, vote party X, or whatever. You know, so, so that is at that very local level. <clears throat> and then you have the involvement of political parties and, and um, um, the, the, the candidates um, at our various, what we call liaison committees, where if there's anything that they perceive to be is going wrong, they can raise it there and say, look, here, we've seen this particular systemic problem. This is something that, and so it goes through the whole process. Uh, when it comes to the actual results of the election, what the IC also does is it, it, it also uh, um, hires independent audit firms, auditing firms, mm. to audit when we capture the results so that, you know, what is on the results slip, which was signed off by the party agent and the candidate at the voting station, is in fact what we capture onto our uh, our voting system, our, our result system. Right. So they will see, uh, okay, this is the actual numbers. They correspond with, with So you have different levels of that. And, but ultimately, <laughs> we have your listeners, you know, social media. I mean, there's no way that you can do anything nowadays that, that yeah. people will not pick up. 
And we also rely on that. Uh, you know, uh, there's a complaints uh, um, uh, process and, and toll-free numbers where we will ask people, you know, if you see something going wrong, please let us know uh, uh, so that we can obviously deal with that particular problem as and when it arises. Um, but, yeah, so those are at different levels. We have these checks and balances. Um, we have, for example, at, at the highest level, um, as the IEC organization, we report directly to Parliament. We don't have to report to a minister to get a budget um, because, you know, in often cases, you know, he who controls the budget controls what you do sometimes. <laughs> but So yeah. we, we report directly to a standing multi-party standing committee of Parliament and, uh, um, and our budget gets approved by Parliament. Yes. So again, you know, it, it, so there's a whole lot of different and then ultimately it's the, the laws of the country. Yes. You have an independent specialized electoral court that is there to look at specifically election-related uh, sort of disputes and, and matters, infringements, etc. So there's a whole range of them right. across the board. Not just one, you know, say, okay, one thing or two things. It's a whole range of them at different levels. You know, because it's, it's vitally important to our listeners who are tuned in this evening that uh, they understand exactly what's going on because, you know, people say, ah, Electoral Commission, who are they? They don't, what can they do if the party in power wants to do something they can influence and we we have to establish this so when when uh, you give this information as with uh, when you actually run an election there needs to be trust so I need as a person to trust the, the IEC that they are going to look after the look after the constitutional rights that are have been entrenched and established for me Joe so stope in the street so that must be uh, the glue that holds the IEC together is, is trust. No, for sure, definitely. And I mean, if you look at the, uh, if you look at our own track record, we don't look at the the party involved. We look at the issue. So there's been a number of cases where we've disqualified candidates, and it doesn't matter which party you're from. Um, mm. If you didn't comply with with the rules, uh, um, that party or the candidate is disqualified from. And and we do it irrespective of. of and we announce that, you know, and, and you're welcome to take us to court and we'll, we'll, we'll meet you in the court because if we do an action, we, we stand by that action and we are accountable for it and let the court then uh, make that particular call. So, uh, yeah, so, so we, we, we take it, you know, it's fundamental to the work that we do. If you don't have trust, then, then I must go home. I, I, I promise <laughs> you, um, I, I must go home because what am I doing here then? Uh, um, and, and as I said earlier on, you know, Wayne, I've got a team of people here who are passionate. They believe in the court mm. because it's not just about another job. People that come to work at the IEC come here and they work long hours. A lot of times they give up a lot of their, their, their family time because they, they're willing to make that uh, commitment. And I think that, that part is, is if, if there's anything me as the head of the provincial IEC needs to do, I need to ensure that the people that are in my team remain as passionate as committed to, to this ideal of what we're working for because if I lose that, then mm. I've lost half the battle then, and, and then I cannot uh, provide the service to, to the people of the province. Um, then I'm, I'm not doing my job. I suppose it's for everyone. I, uh, I still work I do a number of volunteer positions. One is I work with the City of Cape Town Auxiliary Law Enforcement Team. And the reason I do it is to... I believe in what I'm doing that I'm actually making my yeah. family safe by by being a part of something in the community. The spin-off is that as I look after or as our team looks after the community, my family or uh, community members get looked after as well. And I suppose a similar thing for for you your team why they're so passionate is basically they ensuring their own democratic freedoms in terms of the constitution by being a part of the process to ensure free and fair elections. No, that's correct. And, and, and you know what? What happens to the team is the team becomes exponentially so much bigger. At the moment, I've got, a, I think it's a 72 permanent staff members. But during election time, we, we, we ramp up. And it's ordinary citizens out there who mm. give up all their time to become voting officers, who give up their time to become counting officers, presiding officers. So actually, the citizens are actually running the election at the end of the day. Uh, because where am I now going to find all of a sudden uh, uh, 30,000 uh, um, people that are no longer independent or all going to think one way or all mm. going to be turn the blind eye? They're not gonna, you're not going to find it. So you literally, you know, one of the, coming back to what you talked about, checks and balances, citizens 
are in the voting station. They are the ones running that election at the mm. voting station, and they are giving up and you know their time, and sometimes in very trying positions, you know, to work right through the night. Sometimes dealing with very difficult customers is not easy, uh, uh, but they do it. Uh, I, I've, uh, you know, as I told you earlier, I, I worked at the IEC. I left, and I'm back. And when I was in Delft the other day, was preparing for our by-elections, I met one or two of the uh, uh, voting station staff that I knew when I started out here in '98, and they were saying, "Hi, Michael, are you back?" And I'm saying, <laughs> "Yes, I'm back." Uh, so you see, you know, and and that's the nice part of it. And those are people that live in Delft. They, they you know, they work there, yeah. and, and so they own. They, they they also own this process, and I think that too is is why it's so important for. Our people to participate that when we say, listen, we are going out there, we did now start with elections, make yourself available. Uh, yeah. um, Absolutely. You know, uh, my point, of course, my only point of reference is myself. And I remember years ago in becoming people in the community were cr- criticizing uh, SAPs. They did this and they did that. So I joined the reservists and I knew that if I'm on duty, no SAPs officer in front of a, a community member is going to do the things that people are complaining about. I'm now serve on the on the community police forum, sort of an oversight to SAPs by getting the community to the place of where it's important, you just make it uh, better for all of us. So, I mean, it really is, as a, as a layman, I see that the IEC is really, really, I think you just emphasize that, Joe Soap, us in the street, ensuring that we have our, our democratic process and that's working, no one's jippoing the system. So I suppose you'd encourage uh, election time to get people to volunteer no matter what political persuasion, and, and assist in these areas? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, we, uh, um, uh, it is really volunteering because, you know, the IEC, we constrained uh, with budget-wise, so we pay a stipend, yes. uh, you know, to, to people that work for us. But that stipend is nowhere near the value of what people bring to the elections and the amount Absolutely. of time and effort they spend. So it's really almost like a saying, <laughs> something for your travel. Uh, but yeah. it is not a salary because we just, if you have to pay people the salary for what they have to go through and work through and the hours they give up, it's going to be so. So we give them a stipend and, and, mm. and, and, and they really are, are, are doing a, a voluntary work. But when you touch on another part of it, and, and you know, when we talk about our democracy, our democracy is not only about uh, being a representative democracy, in other words, where you vote for your representative. We are also a participatory democracy, where we need to make sure that as citizens, we participate in every different aspect, be it at, at a forum like you, where you're saying community forum, be it uh, in, in, in an NGO, being, being part of your ward committee, you know, all of these, because we are, by in essence, a participatory democracy. And, mm. and if you're look, looking for one of the biggest bulwarks against any uh, an encroachment of our Bill of Rights, it is to entrench a participatory democracy so that people will respond uh, because they are involved in, in different uh, uh, um, structures, in different organizations, whatever community-based organization. But it's that participatory uh, nature of our democracy mm. that is also so critical. And that's going to see us through, um, I think, through all the, all the tough times. Yeah. All the tough times. You know, going back to our past and being a, a pre-1994 citizen for half my life, uh, you know, it's... It, we prior didn't understand uh, Bill of Rights and Constitution and all the rest of it. You know, it just wasn't wasn't there. And a, and a lot of uh, people who voted for the first time understand that that whole uh, Constitution thing that's there to protect us. And to uh, I went through some peace officer training with my volunteering, and just how important the Constitution is in a democracy. I think people underplay, underrate. Uh, underestimate the constitution but it's that constitution that's giving us uh the rights we are protecting but with the IEC no for sure and i think uh, um, you know the critical part about the constitution is that um you know it's still up to us you know too often people say oh but the constitution oh but the constitution um this is just a, a what the constitution does it creates us a greater social contract for us in which we operate as citizens and we say, look, here, this mm. is how we exercise it, right? It is still us, our responsibility to exercise it. It's not to sit back and think things will happen just because you have something written down 
in a law book somewhere, mm. we still need the active participation. And if we're going to see things going wrong, we need to actively stand up and say, look here, this is not right. If we need to make sure that we want to have the system work, we must actively participate, whether it is to vote, uh, um, whether it is to make yourself available to be a candidate. My goodness, you can even form a party if you want to. Um, <laughs> it's relatively easy. But do something. Be part of uh, um, the action so we aspire to, to achieve. I think that is the, the only thing. If you look at uh, even some of our, our elections, uh, um, you know, with our, our immediate part in the last 10 years, if you look at how we were, on what trajectory we were, and then you had this 2016 local government elections where there was a clear shift, where people mm. just showed their, their satisfaction with whoever was, was, was you know, with the parties, and, and, and the parties had to take notice. And yep. that is the power of the electorate. Uh, too often you hear people saying, ah, but my vote uh, doesn't count. Um, <laughs> you know what? The history is full of cases where one vote made a difference. Uh, yeah. You know, where, um, whether it was the French Revolution or whether it was uh, Al Gore losing to, to uh, um, the, the younger Bush. Yes. Uh, um, in you know, those little votes make a difference. So you do actually make a difference at the end of the day. You know, um, you, you, you raise an important point when you say basically that the Constitution is a piece of paper that lies there and cannot do and does nothing for us unless we as citizens take action in the different areas that the Constitution guarantees rights, whether it's the right after you've been arrested or the right to vote or the right to fair and free and fair. It's that piece, piece, the piece of paper only becomes valuable once the, the, the citizens take action. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you know, too often we want to say, ah, look at the Constitution. Uh, you know, it gives too, much right, too many rights to the uh, accused person. Yes. But wait until you are arrested. That's uh, exactly what I say to one, people. They, they moan about uh, it on and, social and media. Think, you know, you must be able to be so robust that you can actually say, look here, I will investigate this crime. It doesn't mean that now because you have certain rights, we must take shortcuts yeah. uh, uh, on some rights. It just means that we need to up our game. When it comes to whether it's criminal investigations, when it comes to running of elections, whether it's running the country or running the province, we need to simply up our game. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we deliver not only on, on the political rights, because yes, to vote is important, but your socioeconomic rights are as important. The right to health. Look mm. at what happened with us during this pandemic. Uh, and the fact that uh, you know, we could rely on, on, on a, a, a hospital service uh, in this particular province uh, um, that, that is well run. Yeah. And, and, and yes, the, you know, nobody could have foreseen this pandemic in terms of its, its, its trauma that it's uh, um, um, rained down on us as a country, as a province. But we need to uh, ensure that we have these robust institutions available for us so that when the time comes, it's not going to be just something written down somewhere that we own it, because that is the only way that we're going to uh, ensure that our democracy flourishes yeah. uh, and grows. You know, one of the biggest issues we have in our community and with the world of social media, I'm constantly on it, defending, providing information, creating videos. But, but the thing is, we have a right under the Constitution to be able to hold people accountable, criticize. But sometimes, you know, it... I know on, on social media we call it the keyboard warriors, people who sit back and, and criticize but offer no solutions, offer no practical however. And I suppose you guys have the same thing when people would just like to sit back, criticize. There's no substance to it, but they feel they've got the right to criticize. And all it does is muddy the waters and create little sidebars where people are, are defocused. That must be a bit of a problem for you guys. Yeah, no, look, obviously the worst one is where somebody's simply repeating what somebody heard um, <laughs> yes. somewhere, you know, and then it becomes a story. And, and often what happens is the original story is genuine. You know, mm. it did happen in a particular voting station where something didn't go right. Yes. Um, so, yes, and then we must deal with it. But now because it happens, or, you know, somebody's spreading the same sort of untruth, now it becomes an untruth later on, because oh, it happened there, it happened there, and that there. Now we, 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 we are diverting our resources to that deal with those, when in fact we should go back to the original where it really happened, some transgression, so that we can, so that we can actually respond to it, but if you've got to do that. So, so yes, I, I think a lot of times, uh, um, 
you know, people out there are, are you're going to find the genuine cases. I, I, you know, we're not perfect, really. Mm. Uh, perfection is the enemy sometimes. But yeah. uh, you need to make sure that at the end of the day, you can respond to those genuine cases where, when, when, and where it happens. And, and unfortunately, you know, I always tell my staff, you know, sometimes what happens is somebody comes up with a good excuse, and then that excuse is used like for the next three months. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. And I say, but hello. It works here the once, but it doesn't automatically excuse your behavior now. Yes. Um, because, you know, but that's just how it is. But we need to be able to determine uh, um, the truth from, from, from uh, fake. Yes. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, again, in, in, you know, as, as, as a journalist in the media and stuff like that, how much fake news is out there and how destructive fake news can actually be mm. uh, um, at the end of the day. And, and, the, and the way it's time-consuming... Uh, getting the information. I was on social media this, today about a SAPS incident that was completely ridiculous. Someone made a post about what SAPS are doing. There was a totally logical, uh, procedurally correct thing that happened. SAPS were not guilty of anything. But because someone saw something driving past, they start this on social media. And that leads me into uh, one of my last questions. And that is, as an electoral commission, since the last major election i'm not sure whether it was uh, national or provincial or uh, you know m- municipal um social media grows in leaps and bounds literally month by month is it an area that you guys have had to now focus on and have people responding to it and knowing what's going out on social media is it is it an area that you've had to uh get more updated on yes definitely definitely uh as an organization, we have to respond to it, not only in terms of seeing what's happening out there, but also in, as, as a way of reaching our, our citizens. Mm. You know, it's no use to trying the old things and people are not buying the newspaper, but they're going online for the newspaper, for example. Um, so there are certain uh, um, social media uh, you know, platforms that we need to use in order to reach our people. And, but it also means that not only your, 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 your methodology, but your message also have to keep up with it because mm. with social media comes a whole different mindset too. So it's not only, you know, it's no use me starting out a, a, a 30-year-old message yes. now on social media and say, ah, oh, no, you see, I put it on Facebook, wow, boom, I throw it into, into, into tweeting or whatever the case may be. Um, but if your message is also not meeting a court, then you, you fail. So it's not only... <laughs> You know, it's not only the methodology, if you know mm. what I mean. It's the content also that Good. needs to be up there and, and, and respond to the challenges that, that um, we as a young democracy, we as, especially to our young people out there, also have to respond, and doubly so in the time of COVID. Mm. You know, you have a dilemma here of, uh, um, you know, do we vote? Yeah, be- because everything is so instant now. That's because another, be- That's on another day, me and you. Yeah, because you guys are now having to communicate all of a sudden, you've got this uh, firestorm on social media. You can't have a couple of board meetings and say, well, next month on the 1st, we will make our announcement. You guys have to scramble and get into action to counter because most of the time, it's either fake news or misinformation that's being re- repeated. So you guys have to be so much quicker on the ball now as a commission in order to yeah. counter the stuff because that's going to influence citizens who, who don't think and, and take their news from Facebook. No, no, for sure. Look, definitely. And, 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 and the way you deal with that is to be constantly monitoring what's happening. So not sort of once of every time you hear something, um, now you want to run to a particular uh, social media platform. Mm. You must be continuously monitoring that to pick up if there's a trend developing, what is happening out there. And then you're in a better way because you're right. You know, the, the way information goes now, if you don't respond right away, uh, yeah, you, you run the danger of that story being replicated thousands and thousands of times and by the time you want to sort of stop it or whatever it's mm, out there yeah. um, and then your reputational damage is done for, for one secondly uh, um, you know people can be actually uh, impacted you know it can actually lead to uh, um, God forbid violence or, yeah. or people being hurt uh, uh, because of because of uh, something that's gone out there which is not the truth and, and so yes that is a challenge for, for, for us definitely to, to ensure that we, we have to be able to pick that up and well, respond. Um, well, that's an important point. There's been much violence and deaths over false in some information given out in democracies around the world, uh, particularly third world d- democracy, where someone sends out incorrect information and then there's violence because they believe they've been robbed of an election. So that information is vital. Uh, I, I know we, at the moment with this program, trying to 
uh, enlighten our listeners, give information. That's one of the methods. But how, 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 what is your plan to get media involved, more involved with the message and the uh, mandate of the IEC? Yeah, so, so what, what we typically would do, is, uh, specifically if you're talking media, in terms of the former media, as in journalists and stuff, um, you know, then, then that is where we do that through, through our media briefings and engaging, having workshops, etc., just to explain what it is we do and how we do it, and, and to answer certain critical questions. Um, dealing with the social media, that is an ongoing, I mean, we have, in, in terms of our own sort of organizational structure, we mm. have uh, out, what we call outreach units um, that deals with both your, your democracy education and your communication. You know, right. how do we get out there? And, and to be uh, uh, um, always uh, aware of what's happening. And again, what will happen is during, as we lead up now, for example, into election time, we'll try and bring in more people uh, to assist us with that. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, that um, I, can, I can bring in more, especially more young people. Uh, that was my challenge to my my colleague uh, um, last week, I said, listen, get me more young people in here. Um, you're asking me, um, and I'm not that young anymore, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I mean? You're asking me, to, you know, what do I think about a message or, or, or whatever? Um, yeah. I'm the wrong person to ask. Yeah. Um, um, I know what I'd like them to say, but whether it lands in a way that, that, that you know, um, and, and, and Wayne, that's something we can also talk about is, is the whole issue of alienation of the process versus apathy versus, mm. uh, you know, people looking at alternatives to our participation, all sort of things. And I think that is also another challenge, and, and I'd like to pick that up maybe at the next time yes. in the chat. Because but how is it that in terms of our messaging and, and how we're reaching our people and, and giving them hope? Because you did touch on it earlier in the program where you said the person who says, uh, I'm not going to vote. I, th- I came across so many people said, oh, my, my vote doesn't count. And if you add up all those mm. people who said they weren't going to vote, uh, <laughs> there were really close times in, 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 in the electioneering process that uh, a couple of hundred votes would have actually influenced the outcome uh, of an election or a, or a uh, where parties have to stand together, you know, make coalitions and things like that. So your, your vote can actually actually count. And I think that's one of the big things that uh, I would hope the IEC are uh, working at with information is the voter that says, my vote's not going to count for anything. Yeah. So I'm not going to no, vote. Look, look I, I think there was somebody, some clever person sometimes said something to the effect that bad officials are elected by uh, citizens who do not vote. Um, you know, in the sense that if you're not participating then you know you you have to bear some sort of accountability as well mm. for the for the representatives that do end up being elected uh, because you chose not to participate and not to make your choice known. Somebody else could have been in the in that seat as your representative, as your ward councillor, for example. So you have to you know to, there's a there's a measure of responsibility and accountability on the voter as well to participate to influence that process because that is why you have the vote. Um, and yes, it doesn't. Uh, um, you know, sound plausible, but it's only me, one vote. But if enough people say that, like you said, it's a lot of people, it's a lot of votes, and you could change the, the outcome of, of an election. Um, as I said, uh, there's, there's a number of, of cases where, where a single vote uh, changed the, change the, the, the history of a country. Um, mm. It can change the, the, you know, the outcome of, of a, a local government election as well, uh, because we have wards, and in the ward system you have first past the post. It's the person who actually gets the most votes, so that one vote makes a difference. Yeah. It can be you. It can be you um, that decided, ah, I'd rather go shopping on my day and not go vote, or uh, I'd rather do something else. Um, but also, I think there's also a responsibility. Um, you know, IEC can only do so much. Yes. Right? But it's also for political parties to be offering uh, our citizens the... Uh, um, the manifestos that actually say, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, not just promises, but real sort of plans. That makes you believe, okay, I'm not going to go vote because I can actually see this plan actually makes sense. Um, so there's also a responsibility on our political parties and candidates out there to offer a real alternatives so that um, citizens can actually make that choice. Um, mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's you know, it's, it's, 
it's a tough one. You know, people don't realize what they can actually do because one person is saying, I'm not voting, uh, it's useless. Then there might be a wife or a child or a friend that also take that same approach. And before you know it, uh, you're, you're actually creating a cancer that goes through communities, however small they are, when people say, well, I'm not going to vote. And then, like I say, your lack of voting will actually put someone else that you don't like in power. No, for sure. I mean, um, and, and that is where, where the IT comes in because you can have two extremes. You can have, uh, um, you know, if you don't have a free and fair election, somebody uh, being elected with a 99% uh, um, approval rating, boom, what? <laughs> and you don't understand yeah. how. Or alternatively, you have somebody coming into power with a very low participation rate. I mean, you know, you can have less than 10% participation in the election. So what legitimacy does that give the government? But then also, whose fault is it that we have that government if you don't participate? Mm, Be mm. involved and, and get out there. And like I said, if you don't like the parties that are there, form your own party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, well, uh, um, it hasn't been so long ago now that the Constitutional Court said to the IEC and to the Parliament, in fact, not so much to the IEC, that you should also allow for independent candidates for Parliament. Mm, yeah. So there. You well, know, it, it's out there. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Nobody said it's going to be easy uh, um, to, to participate in an election as a candidate or a party, but it's there. Yeah. Well, you know, we've come, we've chatted so nicely and come to the end of the show so quickly. I mean, it's been really great getting the information. I have been thoroughly enlightened and really enjoyed uh, the content of, that you've shared with us this evening. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to future programs where we can find out more about. Uh, not only the IEC, but what IE stands for and what they, what they offer and why they offer. Because, I mean, you've given us such a broad uh, amount of information this evening that just uh, really puts people's at, minds at rest. So we really appreciate your input this evening and thank you. And we'll look, look forward to chatting with you again in the future. No, Wayne, look, it's really been a pleasure. It's, I must say this is my first radio interview since I was appointed <laughs> in February. Yes, and, and I enjoyed it, and, and thank you for you for being a good host. Oh, it's uh, thank my you to pleasure for, for, for staying tuned in. I hope and, and listening to us, and I'm looking forward to our, our our future conversations. But also, interestingly, if if you know before the next time we meet, if there's been any feedback from your listeners, yes. what are they saying out there? Are there specific questions that that I can respond to Absolutely. next time around? Please let me know as well. I I I, I will really I, I'd like to do that too. But uh, my pleasure thank you to you and thank you to your station manager and to your listeners. I I, uh, um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much, and you have a, a great evening. Take care. You are listening to Democracy in Action with the IEC on CCFM one hundred seven point five. On CCFM one hundred seven point five.